Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive faith community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. What do you do when your heart is breaking? When the pain feels like too much to carry? When your hopes have been shattered one more time? What do you do when your neighbor is crying out in grief or the stranger across the world is suffering? How do we carry it? Eyes and heart wide open, spirit strong and longing to do something anything to ease the pain. Last Sunday, our seventh graders showed us what to do. It was just a little more than a week after the devastating attack on the mosque in Christchurch, New Zealand. Just a little over a week after a white terrorist spewing white supremacist garbage killed nearly 50 people and injured nearly 50 others in their time of prayer. Last weekend, our seventh graders who participate in a class called Neighboring Faiths, where they learn about different religions and go visit different religious communities, well, they were scheduled to go and visit a nearby mosque, Masjid An-Nur, the Mosque of the Light in Northeast Minneapolis. Given the events of the week, our Director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministries, Lauren Wyeth, called ahead to see if they still wanted us to come. She didn't hear back, so she made the decision And she prepared our youth and their teachers to do what we teach one another to do when someone is suffering, simply show up. So our kids and their teachers were welcomed into the mosque on Sunday morning. They learned about Islam and sat together there in the main prayer area with the imam and his sons. And at the end of the presentation, our kids brought forward a poster that they had made expressing their friendship and solidarity. Tears flowed from both communities, and I believe that there in that moment a promise was made and renewed in all of the hearts that were present, a promise to show up for one another, however and whenever we can, whenever fear and pain or uncertainty come up for us or our neighbors. Welcome to this place where we promise not to turn away from the pain of the world, but to help one another carry it, so that together we might create the courage, the courage that makes it enough to build this beloved community we dream about. Come, let us worship together. Well, hello, First Universalist. It is such a joy to be with you this morning. And it is a great gift and honor to share and worship with this community. I'm a big fan of your senior co-ministry team, Reverend Jen and Reverend Justin, and just want to shout out your incredible staff and your larger ministry team of Reverend Ruth and Reverend Elaine and Reverend Karen. Thank you all for your leadership and your ministry. I want to lift up a few folks who are here with me from the UUA, my colleagues, Cherie Taylor and Vale Weller, who are over here, who are part of our stewardship and development team at the UUA. 
You know, it's important to remember that generosity powers our mission and our faith in the world, and that's true in the local congregation as well as at the UUA. It is an incredible honor to serve as your president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, and I'm grateful to all of you, to each of the members, staff, visitors, leaders, youth, and young people, to everyone who is committed to this liberating faith. These times that we are living in offer us daily reminders of how much our faith matters and how much it is needed. For ours is a life-changing, life-affirming, and life-saving faith. And I know this personally, because when I was five years old, Unitarian Universalism first saved my life. When I was five years old, the people, the ministry, and two very special religious education teachers at Elliott Unitarian Chapel, where I grew up right down the river, the Mississippi River in St. Louis, dramatically changed the course of my life. You see, when I was a little kid, my family was falling apart. A more accurate word would be erupting. There were many reasons for it. One was that my parents' marriage was on the verge of divorce. But what it meant was that my home was not a peaceful or joyful place. But I have another powerful memory from my childhood, from my kindergarten Sunday school class. I can still feel the memory of that class in my body and in my heart. So the class was taught by a not young, but a newly married couple. And what I remember still to this day was how much they seemed to love each other and how much fun we had. They would play guitar and sing songs and we kids would dance and run around and it was pure joy. Wow, did I need that joy. I wrapped it around me. It was an hour once a week for a few months in my life, in this larger, much more difficult time in my life. But it stayed with me, as did my love for those two teachers. Now to be clear, far too many children experience much worse. And studies increasingly show how these early childhood experiences can affect our long-term health outcomes, including the development of addiction and mental health challenges. And not all stories have such good outcomes. But studies will also tell us the outsized difference that a great teacher, a caring mentor, the small presence of real care can make in the lives of children who experience pain, neglect, or trauma growing up. So this Sunday school class, even though I didn't have words for it, nor fully understands its impact until years later, it showed me that something else was possible in a marriage that something else was possible in a family, that something else was possible for me. And that glimpse of possibility, that gift of joy and love, it gave me hope. And it sowed seeds that shaped my life. Now I share this story with you with the permission of my parents, for they know it well too, although a different side of it to be sure. 
And they even found their way through those really difficult years to a marriage built in mutual respect and deep partnership. And I know that that too, that possibility was shaped and held by our congregation and our faith. Here's the thing about our congregations. They are places of transformation in small and large ways. And when they are able to be communities of love and joy, they unlock possibility and hope in people's lives. And they also help us imagine something better for our world. Truthfully, this faith, Unitarian Universalism, our congregations, our people, have saved my life again and again. And I don't say that frivolously or lightly. Unitarian Universalism instilled in me courage. It taught me to take risks for what is right, to not be afraid to speak for my values, even if it means being a lone voice. It held me in my work in Phoenix, standing up to Sheriff Joe Arpaio and working in deep coalition to stop his human rights violations throughout the community. That was my faith living in me. Unitarian Universalism taught me to love abundantly and boldly and to remember the life-saving power of joy and community. But more than anything, it gave me the most precious gift of a religion that made it clear that the work of justice is inseparable from a faith rooted in love. The work of justice is inseparable from a faith rooted in love. This notion that our theology is inseparable from our work of justice is deeply rooted in our history. Our universalist forebears did not believe in hell except for the ones that we create in this life. And so as Unitarian Universalists, we are called theologically and morally to bring a powerful form of love to confront the conditions like poverty, exploitation, racism, sexism that create conditions of hell for people. Today, in the face of an onslaught of injustice and loss, in the face of the real national emergency in this country, which is the systemic attack on vulnerable people, growing authoritarianism and the undermining of our democracy, Unitarian Universalism and our congregations continue to be a way of fighting back against despair and acquiescence by providing us hope and courage. But I want to make something really clear, because this is so important. The hope that our faith offers is not a guarantee that everything will just be all right. Okay, because that kind of hope would just mollify us, which is not what we need. And I want, I want us all to hear that really clearly. Because we need a kind of hope that is grounded in resistance, that is grounded in struggle and not just a prayer that our democracy isn't going to further fall apart, right? Not just a prayer that somehow things will change. Powerful, active hope, the hope that our faith offers, is found in the fact that despite the reality of our circumstances, it's found in our ability to see clearly our circumstances and to know that we still have some choice 
in how we will show up, in how we will give, in how we will risk, and how we will love. Hope lives in the struggle. As Dr. King writes, if the church will free itself from the shackles of a deadening status quo and recovering its great historic mission, will speak and act fearlessly and insistently in terms of justice and peace, it will enkindle the imagination of humankind, fire the souls of people everywhere, imbuing them with a glowing and ardent love, truth, peace, and justice. Love how King is connecting the mission of our faith to our capacity to enkindle possibility and imagination in our lives and for our world. We are living in a moment that reflects the very choice that King lays bare before us. As humanity faces dramatic challenges of climate disruption and global migration, we hear the rhetoric of scarcity, isolation, and walls grow. This is a reactionary response, believing that the failing status quo can somehow be restored, however unjust, rather than responding from a sense of mission and possibility that honors our common humanity and calls forth the best in us as human beings, right? We have to resist this call to somehow reaffirm this deadly status quo, to live into the possibility and imagination of the future. This is why everywhere I go, I lift up the message that this is no time for a casual faith, no time for a casual commitment to what you believe in the deepest places in your heart and your soul. And this is no time to go it alone. We need one another. Our communities can and need to be places of authentic connection and collective inspiration, places where we can bring our heartbreak, our pain, and our anger, and be held in a community of love that renews us and builds in us resiliency. Worshiping communities of real spiritual depth that help us glimpse the possibility of who we can be, of who we were made to be as human beings, so that we might show up every day in our lives. We were made for love, my friends. We were made for community. We need these communities that offer, that answer the call to the beloved community by organizing and partnering beyond our walls to resist the systems of exploitation of the people, of people and the planet. Because right now the challenges before us are literally life and death. They're literally life and death for Muslims and Jews. They are literally life and death for black and brown people, for immigrants and refugees, for trans folks, for women, for children, for the poor, for people with disabilities. The list of people who are losing ground in their human rights in this country is growing. And right now we need to work harder, risk more, and fight harder to protect one another and our core institutions like our congregations because the beloved community is about providing that safe space for a child who needs a break from a troubled home and providing sanctuary for a family facing deportation and fighting to stay together. 
The beloved community is about both what we do internally and how we are committed externally. It's about the radical care and ministry within and the actions of solidarity beyond. And following this calling, embracing this call of justice and love at the heart of our faith is the difference between our congregations being mere social clubs and actually being the church that we were created to be and that our ancestors left to us. And I dream, I dream of what it would mean to unlock this calling, to unlock the deepest universalist roots of our faith across our congregations, that we might be the bravest, boldest, most loving people we can be to love the hell out of this world in great universalist fashion, right? Love the hell out of this world. There is no future without a foundation of love. And I believe that what has led most to the decline in institutional religion in this country is that too many congregations and faith institutions grew complacent, grew complacent, bound by those shackles of a deadening status quo, as King named it. Too many failed to act up to speak out as we were losing ground on this country on racial equity, voting rights, and poverty, losing ground with mass incarceration and the exploitation of immigrants, and the church remained largely silent or just ineffective, too comfortable in privilege. We must reclaim and live and embody our great historic mission to be the conscience of this country and never its tool. There is power in our institutions as Unitarian Universalists if we are but willing to use it, leverage it, sacrifice for it. Your commitment and investment in Unitarian Universalism is one of the most powerful ways that you can make a difference in people's lives and in our world today. Because our work as you use is not just about resisting. It is about what we build up and nurture in our children, in our lives, in our families. It's about OWL, our comprehensive sexuality education program that teaches 100% consent 100% of the time, that teaches our children agency and respect and celebrates the beauty of the spectrum of sexual orientation and gender identity. It's about the ways that we teach love in the face of fear and the ways that we celebrate religious pluralism in this time of growing nationalism and religious extremism. It's about how we side with love and show up publicly in our beautiful red shirts, our yellow shirts, sorry, our beautiful yellow side with love shirts to support human rights. It's about how we show up for one another in times of disaster. I want to share a story, and I don't know if you heard this, but it was several years ago after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando that your sibling Unitarian Universalist Church of Orlando was the staging ground for the first responders and the trauma responders. It was where people could go and get pastoral care after that devastating event. And it was where those who were there to help and provide immediate relief found care and respite. How congregations matter. 
They make clear and measurable differences in the communities in which they sit and in our larger world. The members of that congregation where I grew up, I got a chance to go back and as president and say thank you to them. My parents are still members there, my sister, niece and nephew. But I got to tell them specifically thank you for their generosity because they had no idea how their support for the church was impacting the life of a little girl in a Sunday school class. In that same way, each and every one of you are saving lives and changing lives through your support of this congregation. And you will never hear all the stories and all the ways that people's lives, yours included, have been saved and changed by this faith in this congregation. And when you all as a congregation support your larger UUA, you're making it possible for the UUA to provide ministry and support to congregations you'll never visit and in the lives of UUs all around the country that you'll never meet. This is the covenant and how we hold and care for one another across our faith. And so I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you more than anything for your commitment to this vibrant, healthy congregation right here that is embodying a commitment to love and justice. And I wanna challenge you to continue to take seriously your giving and your generosity to this congregation and your wider faith community. I know I couldn't do what I do at the UUA of equipping congregations, supporting leaders we need for this faith and advancing our values on a national and international level without your support. And your leaders here couldn't do what they do within and beyond this congregation without your support. Indeed, these times, these times are calling for all of our congregations and all of us as Unitarian Universalists to recover our great prophetic historic mission, our zeal for beloved community, and to nurture the possibility and the practice communities of love and justice. May we answer this call together. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.